Today is February 9th, 2024. Welcome to Native Calgarian. Hi, my name is Red Thunder Woman. My married English name is Michelle Robinson, and I use she and her pronouns. I honor the Blackfoot as the elders have been so kind to me on my Red Road journey. Elder Red Crane taught me how to pronounce my spirit name in Blackfoot, and Leonard Kenny taught me how to pronounce my spirit name in Satu Dene. My humblest apologies to the Blackfoot and Dene elders and language keepers as I try to learn proper pronunciation. My Dene lineage roots me in the Great Bear Lake tribe in Treaty 11. My people wore rabbit skin, so it's been referred to as Land of the Hare people. I'm a native to Turtle Island, and my Dene nation is an unin- is uninvited to this area of Klincho Tene Indahe and Satu Dene, meaning many big dog town, named after the Calgary Stampede. So a lot of you will notice that I've used uninvited because unless my people have done treaty with the people of that area, you are uninvited. So when I hear you say you're an invited guest, I uh, I pretty much want to like smash the conversation because um, if you're not honoring the treaty, then you're not. <laughs> you're, I don't know what you're doing. Anyway, I was born in Calgary or in Blackfoot. Mokinstis is Michelle Elliott, an English name that has afforded me privilege in an English colonial world. My mother is Northern Slavey Dene or Satu Dene, but my Indian Act imposed status card by the Canadian government says Yellowknives Dene. Through my father, I'm a daughter of the Mayflower and a daughter of the American Revolution while having a Canadian Indian Act imposed status card, which is a colonial construct by Canadian policies meant to divide Indigenous peoples' inherent rights. Indigenous Two-Spirit or the Indigenous 2SLGBTQ plus community and Indigenous women are at the bottom of the Canadian socioeconomic ladder because of colonial trauma, imposed poverty, racism, gendered violence, and land theft. I, uh, was listening to the CBC this morning and I <laughs> I heard uh, an, uh, an elected BC MLA in charge of housing say the words, well, you know, uh, Indigenous women find tend to be at the uh, most vulnerable end and, uh, you know, and, and they just never give context that it, it's not, oh man, here I, I ended up in this position. I ended up in this position literally because of policies you've all created to put us in that position. We didn't wish to be vulnerable. All of these policies is why we are. Anyway, according to the 2023 Quality of Life Report from the Calgary Foundation, 31% of racialized Calgarians cannot find suitable employment. I'm not a social worker, nor an elder, nor do I speak on behalf of all Indigenous. I just share my journey in Calgary, Alberta, Canada in 2024 um, as a trauma-informed Dene woman who has attempted to run and join harmful colonial parties, spent money to be at expensive conventions, left my home to travel to those conventions just to vote on incomplete policies that still allows for incarceration, a denial of justice, a denial of health services, racism, colonial trauma, and genocide of Indigenous and Black peoples, I have work to continue, reports to advocate for, and attempt to work within these systems meant to harm me and my community. I think of all of this today, and I hope we honor the many Indigenous lives lost for this so-called country named Canada. I hope you see your role in the importance of stopping harm. As a citizen, see your role in reconciliation and as a treaty partner, so you don't say stupid land acknowledgements that don't have any depth to it. 
Uh, Pride Month should never be one month. It's important to understand the straight agenda and gendered violence was and is forced on these lands by Christian out outsiders. Land acknowledgements are critical for creating a safer space for Indigenous, as well as honoring the host as a guest and acknowledging your role as a treaty partner in a so-called time of reconciliation. Can they be performative? Of course they can. It's important land acknowledgements have that meaning. So encourage people to introduce yourself with an acknowledgement of your ancestors, story of displacement, how you perceive your role as a treaty partner, a citizen of Canada, a refugee, or other land displacement. So we as Indigenous people know how safe you are to be around. If you won't say your story of origin, won't acknowledge stolen lands, won't acknowledge imposed economic oppression, your role in reconciliation, I determine how safe you are to be around my community, my family, and myself. Understanding land acknowledgements and their importance is Indigenous 101 because it immediately addresses colonialism, oppression dynamics, broken treaties, and lies taught today in Canadian schools nationally. That's why settlers and those who call themselves native Calgarians or whatever town you're from, show me you have no Indigenous 101 understanding. Jesse Winty's book, Unreconciled, explains this perfectly, as do many Indigenous authored books. Land Back is a movement that could save the planet from climate change created by capitalist colonialism, but it would be a part of a treaty partnership, part of meaningful reconciliation, and honoring global initiatives like the United Nations Declaration on the Rights of Indigenous People. I'm speaking to you on the lands of the Nitsitapi, which is the Blackfoot Confederacy. The Blackfoot, south of the opposed U.S.-Canadian border, are the Blackfeet, and north of the border are the Siksika, Gainai, and Bagani of the Confederacy. These lands are Treaty 7, signed September 22, 1877, with signatures that include the Blackfoot Confederacy, the Good Stony, Chiniki, and Bearspaw Nations of the Stony Nations, and the Dene from Sutina. I acknowledge all First Nation, Métis, Inuit, status and non-status across Turtle Island as the keepers of these lands. All non-Indigenous are treaty partners, with the government signing on your behalf. My Patreon account is Native Calgarian, where you can pledge and support. Thank you, previous donors, for showing your support. If you value listening or watching and can afford to give, thank you. For those who cannot afford to give, I'd love to hear from you at NativeYYC at gmail.com. I guess that part's going to really help. <laughs> Send in your comments or your questions. Also, giving a review helps whatever medium you're listening from. I have a YouTube channel that you can go and subscribe, or you can go to nativecalgarian.com for the latest podcasts and pin posts on social media. So did you get a chance to read the Calgary Herald article on police and in schools? Oh, I hope you do. You know, I'm just going to read it to you all because, uh, you know, what I find is that there are different mediums that people listen to. Uh, people will never read the Herald, et cetera, et cetera. I don't blame you. So I'm just going to read you this article from it. Um, we don't need police in schools to tell children that police are okay. Police should just be okay. And that, and they shouldn't have to be, uh, shouldn't have to convince people of that. So I think it's actually titled, Sends the Wrong Message, Advocates Want Police Removed from Schools. More than half of Calgary students across four diverse demographic groups hold negative perceptions of police, including fear, mistrust, and injustice, according to a review of the School Resource Officer Program. 
as part of a commitment to anti-racism and equity, the Calgary Police is evaluating the program and measuring students' lived experiences with police and officers rotating through 400 schools from across the country, or the city, sorry. But advocates for Calgary's Black and Indigenous communities argue police shouldn't even be in schools and only create an atmosphere of fear and intimidation for racialized students. Uh, Calgary Police uh, Superintendent, uh, who oversees the strategic partnership division handling the review admits that there's much work to do to improve decade old SOR program from cultural sensitivity training to placing more officers in schools on a consistent basis. We know there's lots of concern, uh, conservation from racialized and marginalized communities who are having a disproportionately poor outcome in terms of their interactions with police. Our social, economic, and political climate has changed their... <laughs> I don't know if it's changed, mister, but anyway, back to the quote. We are the third most diverse city in Canada, and with recent trends, we see upwards of 500,000 new Canadians entering Canada every year, so the timing is right to undertake this wholesome evaluation of the SRO program. He goes on to say an adversary, adversarial uh, environment such as schools, police can build positive relationships with youth and contribute to cohesive ecosystems of care and enhance resiliency so that uh, at-risk youth are, more, are less susceptible to crime and victimization. Whew, that's a big eye roll. Um, he goes on to say, um, oh, Adora Nofor, president of Black Lives Matter YYC, argues that police do not belong in schools. We do not need police in schools to tell children that police are okay. Police should just be okay, and they shouldn't need to convince people of that, she said. In her role, Nofor says she regularly speaks with youth facing racism and discrimination in the school environment, feeling intimidated, and still hearing racial slurs. <laughs> That's the truth, isn't it, folks? Uh, they're over-policed, constantly being watched and followed, she says. And the other kids are creating problems like saying the N-word to them. And when that Black child or racialized child stands up for themselves, they end up being punished. Michelle Robinson, that's me, spokesperson for, oh, they said spokeswoman, for the Reconciliation Action Group, an advocate for the local Indigenous community, agrees that police should not be in schools sends the wrong message it says police are watching you and teachers and principals and support staff can use police as a threat which is true uh, i never grew up with a police officer in my school fun fact actually growing up in sylvan lake in the 80s and 90s they actually didn't have that many cops at all there was like a cop that would have to go and do this ridiculous route through like Rocky Mountain House and stuff. So there literally wouldn't even be a cop in the town at times. So for me, like this concept of having a cop in every school, over 400 schools in Calgary alone, like that this is where your funding is going, folks. And it's not positive. Anyway, back to the article. Uh, Robinson said her own children have experienced negative experiences with police, including being harassed a few years ago while walking home in their community and asked for ID for no reason. My daughter was only 14 at the time. She didn't have an ID yet. There was no reason for police to be stopping these kids. 
Both Nofer and Robinson say that they are not surprised with the SOR review showing a majority of diverse students had negative perceptions of police, arguing the system is not doing enough to make them safe. As a part of the SOR review research over the last two years, students in junior high and high school representing over 23 ethnocultural communities were engaged in classroom discussions, smaller focus groups, and online surveys with their experiences with police. Participants were divided into five groups, Black, Indigenous, uh, they don't include the 2S, LGBTQ, students with disabilities, and an overall uh, category encompassing other racialized students that include um, Asian or South Asian. After students were asked a variety of questions about their feelings or memorable interactions with police, more than half indicated negative sentiment, choosing keywords such as racism, profiling, targeting, bias, discrimination, and intimidating to describe their experiences. So this is the relationship building the police are talking about, folks. This is what they want. Um, according to data, perceptions of police among students in the overall category were a balance of negative and positive sentiments at 40 to 41% respectively, as well as 27, or 17% showing mixed. Uh, but almost half the Black students were negative. 63% of Indigenous were negative. Half of the LGBTQ student sentiments were negative, and more than half the participants who self-identified as someone with a disability were also negative. I think those are some pretty, pretty damning stats. As a result, this report concluded that across the four diverse demographic, demographic groups, participants reported more than 50% of negative sentiments. Students were asked, when you think of a police officer, what's the first word that comes to mind? The responses is included a variety of keywords, some positive, but mostly negative from diverse students, including racism, profiling, targeting, fear, bias, discrimination, and intimidating. The report also listed sample responses. A black grade 12 student described the police as brutal and discriminative. Police are uh, people who brutally deal with people, more so blacks without evidence. They discriminate us because of color. Another grade 12 black student who also identified as uh, LGBTQ described them as arrogant, too much pride. They don't listen, they judge unequally, and there's no attention to detail. Whoo, whoo, those are some good quotes, kids. I'm glad you said them. The results of the student engagement were discussed with a variety of stakeholders, including police educators and representatives of racialized and diverse communities to develop an action plan that would reimagine and transform police presence in schools. So like, I, I guess that's maybe why I'm no longer included in the anti-racism uh, committees, because I just don't think they need to be there anymore. Um, among the reviews, 47 recommendations are to hire more student resource officers and have more consistent presence in junior and high school. Something students also suggested in their surveys. I'll bet you they weren't racialized. Um, anyway, the cop says existing SOR programs support 38 officers rotating through 400 schools, saying that works out to one officer assigned to rotate through four to five high schools, one officer assigned to about 10 to 12 junior high schools. The SOR program will request more funding in future budgets, uh, but police admit 
Police are facing myriad of other challenges such as gun violence and will compete for limited funding. Efforts have already begun to increase cultural safety training among the officers in school, now a requirement of all SROs. We have a great opportunity around cultural competency training, anti-racism training for officers that's fully underway. I cannot speak to that. I wouldn't know about it and I certainly have not seen it, unfortunately. I want to believe that's true, but um, not from what I've seen literally at all. Um, it actually hurts me that those that was said that there's some kind of anti-racism training because I have not seen that at all. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's just hard to say out loud. Advocates argue teachers and support staff can also perform those roles, adding that cultural safety training is archaic and perpetuates the idea that racialized students are othered and need special treatment. Um, schools are there to develop people to become their full selves. No for said, uh, they that looks like black boys and girls who are diagnosed with ADHD, for instance, getting the supports they need and deserve instead of being vilified or criminalized or being told that they are different and getting something extra. But the police officer said having schools, having police officers in schools means exactly that more resources and more supports for students to help guide them towards success. I, as far as I know, police are not um, educated in diagnosing ADHD. Uh, for myself, I'm trying to go through that process as an adult and there aren't resources, but I certainly know that there are lots of monies going towards whether or not a police helicopter can go up into the air. Um, so it, it's really disingenuous to say that having more police officers in school means more resources because I know having more cops in schools does not mean more ADHD diagnoses. Anyway, uh, he goes on to say several high schools are at risk of a variety of crimes from cyberbullying, sextortion, human trafficking, gang activity, and drug use that SORs can help prevent. I have yet to see a fulsome um, <laughs> uh, idea of that, a project of that, an outline of that. I would not agree that police being in schools is somehow going to stop human trafficking because that's not how it works. And speaking of which, I did just post a poster of a human trafficking conversation that's going to be happening at Sutina on February 28th. I hope you go to that. I sure hope he goes there. I'd love to hear how SORs are somehow going to prevent human trafficking. <laughs> we all know it's not true. That's why this is so ridiculous. Uh, not having SORs in schools is just a missed opportunity. They are an important resource. They literally can't do anything other than intimidate people. Anyway, Alama <sighs> Muhammad, a social worker who works with youth at the Somali Canadian so Society of Calgary, agrees that diverse students need more supports in schools. The best way for them to get that is diverse educators. She said, ding, ding, ding. Personally, I do not have an issue uh, personally, I do not think the issue is not having enough resource officers or having more competency training. Having more officers just creates a more hostile environment. There needs to be more diverse educators from all different background, cultural backgrounds. Students need to see themselves in positions of leadership. You know, and, and that's just, I, I remember when I was working on this, 
literally that was the major point is that the education system itself is racist. So bringing in a form of colonial violence into the education system just makes it worse. It doesn't help anybody. So these are really great quotes from this um, social worker. Newfort agrees, we need more black teachers, more indigenous teachers, more disabled teachers, and more teachers who are queer. We're allowed to say that they are queer if, <laughs> and we all know by identifying as queer, a person with disability or not white, you don't get hired. We know that, like that's the systemic racism already embedded in the system. If students are able to interact with teachers like this, they wouldn't be seen as odd, weird, just because they came to school with rice in their lunch and not a sandwich. And that, you know, that's a real issue of like people being ashamed of their food. Um, anyway, our recomm other recommendations to be considered as part of the review over the next several months include working more closely with community groups and organizations to source relevant cultural and mental health training for ongoing development, using the expertise of existing SORs to include scenario-based training related to proactive conflict resolution and relationship building with students engaging with school boards to see if there's training that could be shared with staff and SORs to encourage positive relationship building. You know, I, I laughed because I think of one of our queer activists here who had a video of him being downtown during this event and the officer literally saying to him, uh, how are those conditions going? You know, there's no proactive conflict resolution or relationship building <laughs> happening right now, like currently in 2024 in the last week. So Officials with both the Calgary Board of Education and Calgary Catholic School District said they are fully supportive of the SRO review and look forward to working closely with police to improve the program, just like the priests and nuns and teachers at Indian residential schools absolutely love the RCMP, right? I just, it, it's so shocking to me how we have all these calls to justice, calls to action, and this is the response. But I mean, you all know I've been calling out both uh, school districts for their racism and continued racism. And this is just more and, and welcomed colonial violence into their own schools. So it, it's interesting. So I posted this article and immediately got this uh, DM. Can you make a post about how terrible the cops are nowadays? My neighbor had four people literally trying to break into her place while she was home with her young kids harassing her from 9 p.m. to 5 a.m. She called the cops three times and was told there's a 16-hour delay, so no one would be coming. That is crazy. She texted me asking if I was okay because they started climbing her balcony around 2 a.m. trying to get into her place. Not one officer came by to talk with her either to follow up even after 16 hours. No way they could have been that busy not to send someone. This complex is known for housing Indigenous families. Not sure if that's a connection, but damn sure wrong in all sorts of ways. Sorry, was scrolling through TikTok and figured you might be the best person in Calgary to get that out there. It's scary to know living here, we will not get help in emergencies from the police. Yes, please post. I just cannot believe the police would not send anyone to check, especially being a single mother with her four kids in her home. When she texted me, she was worried that they might have tried breaking into my place and was scared for my family too. So here we have two Indigenous women families. We have kids. So these kids, this is their first interaction with cops, being frightened at home, knowing they will never come. 
when you hear Black and Indigenous voices say we are underserved, this is what we are talking about. <sighs> anyway, got lots of great feedback about our last podcast talking about Israelism, the film. Really glad about that. So uh, the Alberta student walkout happened. Um, I just, I got to tell you folks, when I posted that poster on TikTok, wow, did we bring up the convoyers? Now I was a bit of a jerk and added one of their stupid songs about we will not comply. Oh, stupid song, but it was actually appropriate in this moment. <laughs> so I used it. So I think that's what brought in all of these uh, convoy folks, but like we got threats. And unfortunately, one of the other TikTokers took a screenshot of the worst one I think that there was. And it was basically, uh, you know, he's he's polishing his gun up and he's using it. He'll be using it that day for target practice, obvious, you know, threat to kill any of the kids that walked out. Yep. Perfectly OK in our world. Right. Anyway, I get threats like that so often I just deleted it. But I know it affected the folks who've seen it. So that's why I try to delete um, right wing uh, type comments all the time. Anyway, um, I wanted to tell you the walkout was not just a little successful. It was really successful. And there was a letter that I had read out loud on my TikTok because the actual person who initiated all of this was at first really shy and did not want to do it. Their parents supported them. And before the end of it, they were like humbled and, and happy about, you know, the over 2000 schools, the amount of kids that came out, like, and, and the numbers just keep growing. So I was really proud to read that letter out loud. Uh, the, fo the, the family who originally started this uh, walkout and they have a, like their own social media and such. So please follow them on all the socials. But my favorite comment actually came from this one TikToker who was Indigenous. And he said, we Gen Xers call ourselves the fuck around find out generation. But today's youth put that bluster to shame with real action. Thank you, Aspen. And that's who started that letter was Aspen. So I wanted to say thanks to my TikToker uh, commenter, but also obviously to the family, Aspen's family, he talked about, or they, I don't know if they were a she or he, I, I don't remember. Um, but Aspen talked about their brother, Jasper being trans. So it was, it was beautiful. And for those of us who are doing the kind of the work behind the scenes, we, we seen who the, the mother was at the very least. So hats off to that family. And I hope everybody follows uh, tons of petitions and etc that are coming out right so um, that that is really great um, so I, I also you know I, I wanted to talk a bit about Pam Rocker's call out to everybody uh, tonight is actually the conversion therapy event and so disappointed to tell everybody um, you know I, I did what what was encouraged of us. And I called 311. So I wanted to share with you that the 311 operator was quick to talk about freedom of speech and religion. So I was trying to remind him that, you know, hate speech isn't allowed. And as a Dene, I've never been afforded that luxury of uh, freedom of religion. So <laughs> um, I, I said that this, this event goes against the conversion therapy bylaw, the safe and inclusive bylaw and federal law. 
so he put me on hold and he looked up the conversation that the bylaw folks were having about this and outright said that there's no law or bylaw being violated. He offered the Catholic school number when this was happening at a Catholic church. And I said, well, this is at a church, so it's not necessary. And he asked if I, I asked if there would be any recording of me trying to report a broken bylaw in the law. And initially he just wouldn't do it. So I said, you know, this is actually why people don't report. And he finally gave me a, a file number and called um, and told me that a bylaw officer would call me within the next uh, 72 hours. So, you know, I tried to be as productive with them as I could. So I just wanted to play the recording of the uh, officer that called. Hi, Michelle, this is Inspector. Blah, 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 blah. Uh, I just wanted to touch base with you regarding the complaint you put in for the conversion therapy event that's taking place at the Holy Spirit Church tomorrow. Um, just want to touch base with you and just to let you know that uh, we definitely appreciate the, the call. Uh, we received a lot of complaints uh, regarding this event. Uh, we've been in touch with our a law department as well and our partners at uh, Business Safety as well have uh, had conversations with the Calgary Police Service regarding this event. Um, unfortunately, this event uh, is one we cannot shut down at this time as it does not meet the definition of the bylaw. Um, I don't need to get discouraged. I want you to continue calling us um, if you hear of events taking place. And we will definitely um, do what we can um, um, if they are uh, indeed in fraction taking place. So, um, and that's that. And you didn't call back, and that's okay. It just goes to show. Um, when you have progressive politicians trying to do the right thing and protect the 2SLGBTQ community, this is the response you get from colonial um, bylaw services, police, no protection. So now we know that the conversion therapy law, the bylaws that are municipal mean absolutely nothing here. So I implore you, uh, please, push this. I know I'm going to have to contact my MP. Uh, I hate talking to my MP because he's conservative and he won't care. But the point is, is that I have to, I have to send this to Randy Bossino and George Jahal now, because we have a federal law that clearly the Calgary police and city of Calgary do not give a flying fuck about. So now we're all having to put up with this. So Good times to be a Christian in uh, in Calgary if you're for conversion therapy and hurting uh, two SLGBTQ kids. Like, what a great time to be alive. But it's 2024. It's always been uh, for them. That is the point of imposed, you know, colonial violence through Christianity and patriarchy. So nothing has changed despite reconciliation, despite the National Inquiry's conversation about this. Like, it's just sad. Um I wanted to talk on a more positive note. I got a bunch of like swag from the Indigenous Gathering Place. I got a postcard. I got a button. I got a pan and a bag because they were at the Four Winds event at City Hall. Uh, I seen my our friend um, Marina Crane and uh, got some wonderful medicines from from her. I also got. Uh, 
this little beaded trans heart thought it was perfect because that was the day that we had a big rally on Saturday in front of city hall. And then if you notice my cute, uh, earrings that I'm wearing, if, cause you follow me on YouTube, I wanted to let you know that the treaty seven artisan collective, uh, I, I bought that from them. The Thunder Beings beading actually made this. And that's also with the Crafty Machif. And one of my favorite moments of activism with, with them was me, her, and another person and uh, in front of this huge oil and gas event at the Stampede. And if it wasn't for, at the time, our friend who was a Calgary Cub, uh, the Stampede would have absolutely thrown us out. So anyway, I, I love these folks and and happy to promote that. And I also got another uh, ribbon purse actually with uh, Grogu on it. And it says indigenous creature and, uh, and this really great sign that says trespassers will be smudged. So just really cool folks that were there. Happy to help a friend of mine who was also had a booth and I, I bought some earrings from her as well. Like just so great. So anyway, um, so I, I did want to address some something more ugly and uh, content warning for the per, for all, all my 2S LGBTQ community. It took me a long time to understand the gravity of how awful the F word is. So um, I'll just say F word. So I need to know, Michelle, are you for the gay F words or are you are missing sisters? <laughs> I'm like, okay, dude. Obviously, you don't get this whole gendered violence thing and most certainly did not read the National Inquiry. So um, I was like, holy. Anyway, he blocked me. Whatever. I don't care uh, if you are Indigenous. Happy to send you his name so that you can block him. Anyway, uh, I wanted to point out as a positive of that, though, that Wiley Eagle Speaker, who is on TikTok, like put out a really great post about gendered violence and um, the strength of Indigenous women. And I thought that was like, I wish I could give that video to this young man who sent this ugly, ugly uh, direct message. But, you know, I know I, it wasn't just him. Like, it was the course of his life that brought him up to this moment where it's just been acceptable to be against the 2SLGBTQ community and use the F-bomb whenever given the opportunity. So... I wanted to talk a bit about the Women's March. A lot of folks, and turns out, don't know anything about this, which is kind of makes me sad because I thought by now everyone knew. Um, so if you Google you know, Women's March, Valentine's Day, you'll come up with even a Canadian encyclopedia like link, and it talks about uh, Cheryl, Joel, uh, uh, Cheryl and Joe, who was murdered on Jul January 20th, 1992. Um, her body being dumped in a parking lot outside a warehouse loading dock on Powell Street in Vancouver's downtown east side. And, um, you know, on February 14th, several dozen people, including Cheryl and Joe's mother, Linda, met at the same parking lot where Cheryl was found. And they decided to host an annual grassroots event to express compassion and caring to all women in Vancouver's down, downtown east side. And so it begins every year in that neighborhood and is organized. And I can tell you here uh, in Calgary, uh, Suzanne Dews founded it. And 
uh, Chantal Chagnon has continued to do that amazing work. So we're already on our 16th annual here in Calgary, uh, which is not since 1992, obviously, but at least, uh, at least it, it's done here. So I'm really proud of that. But I, I did want to bring up the fact that uh, I, I was reached out to by some folks who wanted to do a national fire to mark that day. And I was like, absolutely, if that's what, what we need to do, that's what we will do. So I'm going to have a fire in my backyard that day. Uh, anyone from the community who needs to honor their family members with a fire, more than welcome, just reach out. And of course, the local march happening at Scarborough Church at 630. Uh, speakers will be there as well. It is in a church. There are police always present. So my fire will not have police and it's certainly not in a church. So <laughs> you're more than welcome to come to that. But I, I respect the march and, and don't want to, um, you know, burn any bridges there because it's important to me that uh, everybody have a safe space to be able to talk about the violence against women. And it is supposed to be for all women, but, you know, it's been obviously initiated by uh, Indigenous people here in Calgary and, and a lot of Indigenous speakers go to it. And I should just honor the fact that, um, unfortunately, here in Calgary, just two weeks ago, we had a really uh, loud little bit of noise about this uh, unfortunate incident that happened where... <sighs> Smother did all the right things, contacted the Calgary police, went through all of their, you know, steps and protocols, and unfortunately was stabbed in front of the school and killed and murdered by the ex. Um, we all know that um, exes, you're at a higher rate of being murdered by an ex, and uh, that's what happened to her. So, and then he was found shortly later. I don't know what he did to himself. I don't care. It's really unfortunate because they had kids and now those kids don't have any parents because of gendered violence that's been taught to this wonderful society for generations. And um, I, I'm, my thoughts and prayers go out to them, but also to this many Indigenous lives that have been lost over the course of the year, thanks to poor, poor policies of like taking doors off of school or uh, bus shelters when it's minus 40 and having these forced recovery centers which are christian based so adding more colonial violence to the problem and intergenerational violence regardless <sighs> um did want to talk about stop the stack YYC. Uh, I actually got an email from them. I'd love to read to you all because I think it's really important that everybody know what's happening. So um, we have uh, the charges for Adora Nofor have been dropped. On June 23rd, Adora Nofor was charged with one count of assault, one account of mischief. These charges came after community members rallied together on May 17th to protect youth at Western Canada High School from white nationalists who traveled to Alberta from Ontario protesting gendered neutral bathrooms. Another great example where the federal law and the two bylaws did not protect our uh, youth one tiny bit and the police charging a black single mom. So in January, Adora was notified that these charges were going to be dropped, which is great. But, um, you know, and, and I asked her outright, like, 
have they been stayed? And she's like, no, like drop dropped. So, and she outright says the damage has been done. Uh, the impact left from the physical, emotional, and financial stress will continue as these situations forever alter your life and well-being. Uh, there is a full statement from Adora and little pieces of it. This experience has been truly difficult. I was notified of drop charges uh, the beginning of January, and I want to remind folks that this isn't over for me or my collaborator, Taylor McNally. We need continued support because this is a long, hard process to overcome regardless of judgment within the system. Thank you to Stop the Stack for their caring and kindness. I appreciate those who have never faltered in their support of me and my collaborators. For me, this is a sliver of a win. Charges being dropped is not the system working for progress. The damage is done. I've been harmed, my family and beyond. I would say it's colonial violence. She says, I will never be the same. And too many connections have been broken. My relationship with community in Calgary will never be the same. The silence around my mistreatment was deafening. Calgary, I hope you heard that. I'm just going to say it one more time. My relationship with community in Calgary will never be the same. The silence around my mistreatment was deafening. I will forever remember this isolation. Not, I won't stop. From the same event, Taylor McNally was charged with two counts of assault, one account of sexual assault, and one count of unlawful confinement. Queer organizer Shane Schick was charged with theft of a Canadian flag and wearing a disguise with the intent to commit an indictable offense. The disguise in question was an N95 mask. Both Taylor and Shane await trial dates as police seek out more evidence to support their lack of <laughs> disclosure. So they ask that we, you know, still call for all charges to be dropped and show support in any way that we can. They have like action items of how to support, to show up to events, hire them, pay for their content. Uh, the legal abuse that Taylor and Adora were experiencing, are experiencing, has made it more difficult to find work. When media reports charges have been intentionally designed to smear their reputations, other barriers are the time it takes to fight these charges in court and the emotional and psychological toll of living with a constant fear of harassment, arrest, and sentencing on top of anti-Black racism they already experience on a daily basis. During Black History and Futures Month in the past, Taylor would be fully booked, and this year she does not have that. You can support Adora by attending her upcoming comedy and burlesque shows, which she has on her website and the protest Sunday, February 11th from five to seven. So uh, Stop the Stack has begun these um, protests in front of the Calgary Remand Center parking lot. Taylor's prison sentence for the events related to the Justice for Dalla Kaffa protests in 2021 has been officially paused as she moves forward towards an appeal. Uh, we will look, we will continue to protest outside the remand center for the remainder of her sentence in solidarity with those who remained inside carpool if necessary. They will also be offering rides from the Justice for Palestine protests to the uh, protests at the remand center. So, which is great because I've noticed, so uh, this particular weekend coming up, 
the Palestinian protest is it starts at 11 to one. And then this one starts from five to seven. So I can't, at least they're not overlapping now. Thank God. But I just want to leave you with this quote that Taylor McNally gives us. It's not just about me. We must be in solidarity with all those who continue to be oppressed by these carceral institutions. And we all know Black and Indigenous people are disproportionately represented there. So if you have an opportunity to donate to Taylor's ongoing legal fees, uh, she wants to say thank you and that she was able to pay the $4,725 associated with the permanent injection for one of the three cops who are suing her. And it was also a $5,000 retainer for her appeal. The appeal itself could cost up to $18,000. And there's still an upcoming Western trial and two other lawsuits. In the last two years, Taylor has paid over $20,000 in legal fees. Taylor has dedicated her life to mutual aid. Please give whatever you can and share the fundraiser with everyone you know. Donations can be made through uh, the fundraiser using PayPal with a credit card or their link tree or just e-transfer directly to uh, T. McNally, M-C-N-A-L-L-I-E at gmail.com. Also keep spreading the word, circulating the open letter and signing the letter on behalf of any organizations you are part of. I also have my name there, and they have even more information to help you. Please keep going. We are not free until we are all free in solidarity. Stop the stack, YYC. So I hope you all got the email, so you didn't even need to hear me say that. So if you did, thank you for listening. <laughs> Don't worry. I annoy myself too, so... <laughs> Uh, so yeah, the Palestinian rally is Sunday at 11. I hope to see you there. I've been collecting names for the Stonewall Recovery Center here uh, in Calgary. It's actually Canada's first 2SLGBTQ treatment facility. The gala is to help create this um, bigger place for people to actually go. So I'm collecting two spirit names to be said and memorialized as part of their commitment to the National Inquiry Calls to Justice and Reconciliation in general. So message me or email me if you want me to add a name of a two-spirit that you know has left us way too soon because of colonial violence. And just a reminder, on Monday is our book club. It is open to anyone. And our next one is Disarm, Defund, Dismantle, Police Alibition in Canada. And I think if you haven't been a part of my book club, we've already done Indigenous Policing. Um, really important book. One of the uh, authors was a part of this one as well. And then um, for me, you know, some really great uh, chapters here, like Vicki Chartrand talking about lessons from communities of um, murdered and disappeared Indigenous women, girls in Two-Spirit. Like, this is a real issue for, for me. Um, I, I don't understand how it's not a real issue for everybody else. I, I wish it was. I see people showing up to the events, but not necessarily ours. I hope I see that change this this month out of all months. Anyway, uh, if you're part of the part of Calgary, we have a reconciliation action group. You're more than welcome to join us to do actual action as opposed to sitting around and 
not doing nothing and being like, oh my God, I'm so in solidarity with uh, Indigenous people, but I never show up or donate or nothing. So huge shout out to the Reconciliation Action Group for your ongoing hard work that I watch every one of you do. And I know you listen to my podcast, which I appreciate from the bottom of my heart. Um, I'm proud that this podcast gives solutions and cultural safety training, cultural first aid, and all of them to create a safer space for Indigenous people of colour, those with disabilities, and 2SLGBTQ to speak, again, according to the Quality of Life Report for 2023 from the Calgary Foundation, 88% of racialized Calgarians feel uncomfortable or out of place because of their religion, ethnicity, skin colour, culture, language, accent, gender, or sexual orientation, which was up from 75% from last year, or 2022, and I would imagine this year's going to be pretty bad considering the issues with Palestine. Uh, 84% of racialized Calgarians believe racism exists, whereas only 66% of non-racialized Calgarians believe in that. I also want to give resources about what is Indigenous cultural safety, why I should care about it, and thank uh, authors Cheryl Ward, Chelsea Branch, and Alicia Friedkin of heretohelp.bc.ca for their work on that. you know, for me, I, I just wish people seen that this is a part of your understanding as settlers and part of your reconciliation work. I'm just lucky to highlight it and repeat it here. Uh, I really like the work that Donna Bevins does. So if you go to racialequitytools.org, she has tons of resource files. And one good one that I reference a lot is internalized racism. So when you see Uh, lateral violence or internalized racism like you have to unpack that regularly and this is a form of violence that was forced on these lands and of course people end up marginalized over it because we're not equity um anyway to me read that do's and don'ts for bystander intervention by american friends service committee it has some great resources about what to do if you see something racist happening in front of you because I know the police won't do it. I wish the police would read these resources, actually. Uh, Anyone who follows me on my social medias can watch anti-racism organizational lead for the city of Calgary on a presentation about the journey of becoming an anti-racism leader. That's the bare freaking minimum, folks. Watch this video. Again, help out our friends, uh, Black Lives Matter activists, Taylor McNally and Adora Noford follow Stop the Stack YYC. If you can afford to donate, please donate there. Indigenous people have been talking about our issues, sharing our traumas and reports, commissions, and public hearings just to be regularly disregarded. No more. Honor our words, honor the treaties. Listen to politicians and their platforms and policies if they don't recognize oppression in their budget with Gender Equity Plus. If they are cutting violence prevention programs, Indigenous education, uterus health choices, gay straight alliances. Oh, can I give a shout out to uh, Wab Canoe for investing in a food program? I mean, it was nothing compared to the police budget. And now kids have food. Imagine how easy that was. Another quick highlight I should give is that the Supreme Court came out today saying, of course, Indigenous parents should raise Indigenous children. I can't believe it's like 150 plus years that everyone's just been okay with apprehension of our children based on race. It is deplorable to me that any single person today as of 2024 has been okay with that. 
Anyway, know that your vote to these parties, to these politicians negatively impact marginalized people. Uh, demand that they implement the Truth and Reconciliation Commission calls to action, the recommendations of the Royal Commission on Aboriginal Peoples, the multiple reports about child welfare reform and violence prevention, and now the 231 calls to justice from the National Inquiry on Missing and Murdered Indigenous Women, Girls, and Two-Spirit. Provincially, we have these so-called 113 pathways to justice, but with the deepest respect, with everything we're seeing Danielle Smith do. It, it's bunk. It's it's not happening. Gendered violence is being perpetrated by the state at this moment. Municipally, we have the White Goose Flying Report. All of these reports and, and denying of them is a form of abuse called gaslighting. Our people are experiencing extreme racism from every single institution with multiple reports that say the same thing. Demand change from politicians. If they don't understand colonialism, racism, privilege, sexism, their bylaws on safety, um, federal laws. They have no business running. <laughs> Google articles on how non-Indigenous Canadians can become allies, because unfortunately there are multiple of them because they're necessary, they're needed. Uh, follow aboriginalalert.ca. I really thought womenshomelessness.ca had a great statement for demanding urgent action on protecting the lives of Indigenous women, girls, and two-spirit and gender-diverse people experiencing homelessness. But I recognize the goal of colonialism and hate is the elimination of us, right? And we're seeing that with Palestine. So anyway, I would love to be wrong. I would love for you all to prove me wrong. Obviously, drug poisoning, deaths in Alberta remain high. Please follow uh, Ewan Thompson, our, our guest that has been on here multiple times. If you know someone you, using substances, do not use alone. If you are using alone, you can contact the National Overdose Response Service at 888-688-NORS for support. You can download the Brave for Doors app and the Lifeguard app. But as you heard in one of our last guests who had a severe issue happening during Christmas, the res <laughs> they know the resources and even they struggled. Anyway, if you are experiencing emotional distress after anything we talked about today, you can call the First Nation and Inuit Hope for Wellness Helpline at 855-242-3310. It is open toll-free 24 hours a day, seven days a week. You can also text at home hopeforwellness.ca. You can also call the Missing and Murdered Indigenous Women, Girls, and Two-Spirit line at 844-413-6649. It has been going on now for a couple of years. There's also a 60 scoop in Indigenous Society of Alberta, not really for crisis stuff, but highly recommend signing up if you are a 60 scoop person at ssisa.ca. Uh, Indian Residential School Survivor and Family Hotline, 866-925-4419. And the Native Youth Crisis Hotline is 877-209-1266 for non-Indigenous. There are distress center lines in your area, usually a functioning 211, or the new national number of 988. You can also call 833 456 4566 or text at 456 
1-800-273-8845. You can go to crisisservicescanada.ca and you can go to the kids help phone at 1-800-668-6868. The following are two SLGBTQ crisis supports in your area across Canada. Uh, you can go to lifevoice.ca to get some of these. The trans lifeline is 877-330-6366. And the Trevor Project for Youth is 866-844-7386. Violence is our everyday reality. Every Indigenous generation has faced it. This is self-care. How I take my power back. This is why I started the podcast, to speak freely without interruption, tone police, leadership shaming, gaslighting questions. As many people don't want to hear our opinions and the experiences that we have, but they sure like to tell us theirs even if they know nothing about us, colonialism, the constant surveillance of our people, protests, our vigils, and our rights. I and many other share infos on, oh man, yesterday I got uh, another accusation from Walmart that I didn't scan something when we went through it. Of course I did, but it's not a coincidence. I'm always randomly selected. I don't know what to say about that anymore. Anyway, it's not acceptable. Learn about being trauma-informed. People like me are dealing with racism, gatekeeping, folks surviving off the status quo, people who are really in their trauma, people who stop doing the good work and deplete natural resources. Internal and external racism is an everyday reality for me, Indigenous people, folks with disabilities, QT, BIPOC, and others. Anyway, thank you to my ancestors. Thank you to my granny now in heaven, my mom what strength looks like through your examples. I want to thank my dad for teaching me to be strong and blunt. My stepmom for showing me her proud Austrian family culture and roots and teaching me to be a proud Calgarian. It is through her. I'm a second generation Calgarian. Uh, I want to thank my husband, big Buffalo rock man for producing and editing the show. He's also my husband, my childhood friend, father of our child, and support down my journey of the red road. I have a cute story. Uh, he said, I said, Oh, I'm going to get a face tattoo finally. And he looked at me with that loving, sweet, like he just knew he was so supportive. And I'm like, I had to break his heart. And I was like, No, not like that. I'm just getting my eyebrows. <laughs> oh, poor guy. Anyway, he has witnessed decades of racism and sexism and he was so tired he just shoved this mic in front of me one day and was like just talk yeah i think he was right anyway to our child thunderpipe necklace woman uh we are blessed to learn from you daily we are honored you chose us you give me daily accountability to be a better and stronger person i just hope you and my family will be proud in the future of us trying to discuss these present day issues my Patreon account is Native Calgarian, where you can pledge and support. Thank you, previous donors, for showing your support. If you value listening or watching and can afford to give, thank you. For those who cannot afford to give, I'd love to hear from you at nativeyyc at gmail.com, where you can send in your questions or comments. I also have a YouTube channel that you can go and subscribe. You can go to nativecalgarian.com for the latest podcasts and pin, pin posts on social media. And I want to end by giving side eye to those Calgary rabbits. You're lucky I'm not your dish. My beautiful cousin would respond, are you being my dish? Thanks, folks, for listening. <laughs>